Welcome to Let the Voice Kiss, the creation of queer ships, where we ask the question, is it queer baiting, queer coding, or queer canon? This week, we'll be discussing Iceman and Maverick from Top Gun and Hangman and Rooster from Top Gun Maverick. I'm Maddie. And I'm Kelsey. so topical yes thanks to (laughs) listener rachel for suggesting these films they were not something we were thinking we're going to cover but it is sort of topical Uh, yeah when this comes out the movie will have at least still come out in the same year Mm -hmm. so that's topical for us pretty good (laughs) so who are these guys that we're talking about today they are all navy pilots That's right. And we are looking at these two films, Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick. We have both seen both of them. Yes. So that's good. (laughs) We're qualified to discuss. Not too much content to cover, Mm -hmm. which was great for us. (laughs) Yeah. So I think how we planned to tackle this today is let's start by talking about Top Gun, the original, why this is part of the conversation, and then We'll get through that and and loop back around to Top Gun Maverick, see how have things changed, how have they stayed the same sort of conversation. Yes. So starting with Top Gun, that's our Iceman and Maverick ship. Why do people maybe ship these two? Well, we will get into why people ship these two in particular, but I will say to begin with, it must be addressed that the movie itself is so gay. Yeah. It is just, it's a super gay movie. <laughs> Not just Iceman and Maverick, but all sorts of other things that are happening in it. So should we talk about that first? Yeah. And so, yeah, we should say, right, and we'll get to some interesting creator quotes around Top Gun, but this is now the perception of this film. So I watched this movie for the first time. I hadn't seen it before we decided to do this episode. And I will tell you, the first thing that struck me was everyone is so sweaty all the time. <laughs> And what's gayer than that? It's a lot of wet, shiny, glistening boys. They are glistening. So it's interesting because it's this sort of era of 80s action movie where this was not at all uncommon for things to be like this, where when you look at them from a removed lens, you're like, there's kind of a lot of homoeroticism going on in here. But they were very much doing that. So it, it filters into all sorts of things. You're right. There's a lot of shirtless, glistening men which I'm sure was very enjoyable for the young gay men of the 80s to watch. But then also it just filters into like the way that these characters talk broadly Mm -hmm. in the movie. So there's a lot of discussion of butts. Yes. Throughout. I tried to keep a butt tally in my notes when I was watching. I'm not sure if I caught them all, but I did catch five of them. You caught quite Uh, a few butts. Catching those butts. I've got a few butts. So I guess we can we can give you the butt quotes. It's mm-hmm. it's a lot of things like, I'd like to bust your butt, but I can't. There's a back and forth conversation. Whose butt did you kiss to get in here? The list is long, but distinguished. Yeah, so's my Johnson. That's a fun straight thing to say to your Navy compatriots. Yeah. There's a time when they're, they're going to get berated. And so they say, you and Goose get your butts out of that flight gear and up to Viper's office now. And when they arrive at Viper's office, the man who's mad at them in there is yelling, I want somebody's butt. I want it now. And then he leaves the room and he says, I want some butts. 
Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people want a lot of butts. That's not the only dialogue in this film, which is no. interesting through this lens. There's also relatively early on in the movie as they're in a briefing learning about what they're going to do in flight school. One of the guys turns to his partner because they're all like they all have partners in their planes. Yeah, there's one pilot and then one person who's in charge of the other stuff like yeah. navigation or something. I don't really know, but there's two people in each <laughs> right. of the planes. So a guy turns to his partner and he says, this gives me a hard on. And his partner says, don't tease me. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's like, that's just straight up gay. What are we doing here? But like the most important scene in this discussion, yes. the-, the the most iconic scene in Top Gun mm-hmm. that has lasted through time has nothing to do with planes. Uh uh-uh, uh, nothing at all. <laughs> you might think it would be about planes, but no. it's not. It is a beach volleyball scene. Mm-hmm. Now, I would be shocked if you hadn't seen it. But if you haven't seen that, let us let us describe the scene for you. Yeah. What was interesting, again, as a first time viewer, is it comes out of nowhere. It's not like, you know, throughout the film, beach volleyball is the way the characters also compete with each other. And it's really built in. It's just like the movie's going along, hard cut beach yeah. volleyball. I mean, it's an appreciated, I think. It's a nice break from what's been going on in the movie. But what happens in this scene is, you know, all of these various young men who are training at the Top Gun school are just shirtless and sweaty on the beach playing volleyball against each other. And the song Playing With The Boys is set under it. Mm -hmm. And they're sweaty, as they are through the rest of it. And they're, you know, sort of like putting each other in headlocks. Yeah. It's shot in a specific way, and we'll get to this as well with some great quotes we have. But there's another element of the beach volleyball scene that I think you want to talk about, Madeline, that really stood out to you. It grinds my gears, people. So in the original, we'll we'll be looping back around to this when Mm -hmm. we get to the Top Gun Maverick conversation, but in the original, it's not so egregious. I believe it is potentially only Tom Cruise. Yes. Who who is doing this? But they're on the beach in the sand. People know what a beach is like, right? Mm -hmm. And he is in jeans. He's shirtless in jeans on a beach playing beach volleyball. I mean, disgusting. That is disgusting (laughs) behavior. Yeah, they're not. They're not like cutoffs. They're full full jeans. And yes, he might have them rolled up at the cuff a little bit, but full jeans. He's sweaty. He's covered in sand. It's disgusting. So just keep that in your minds because we'll be coming back to it. So that's the the soup that Iceman and Maverick live in. Yes. But then there's some specific moments between those two characters. I particularly love their initial meeting. So everyone – tell me about their initial meeting. Everyone is coming to this place to go to Top Gun or or school or whatever. It's some kind of like special flight – academy training for the best of the best it's of the for best. the best navy pilots the best of the best of the best best of the best of the best <laughs> sir yeah and so for context which we'll get to as well maverick and his partner goose are only there because the guy who was actually the best in their group dropped out he had like a panic attack while he was out on a mission and had to stop flying planes but in this initial orientation meeting maverick is sitting a row in front of iceman he notices iceman has been staring at him he looks back at him and they make like flirty eyes and then when maverick turns Uh around he kind of smiles to himself and it is the (laughs) flirtiest thing i've ever seen it's romantic yeah The, the context of the school is not only are they the best in the navy and they're here to train or whatever but at the end of their training 
one of them will be chosen as the best. Mm -hmm. And so you want to be number one in your class at Top Gun. So even from day one, they're all looking around at each other like, who's going to be number one? Am I number one? Is he number one? So they're like sizing each other up, which I guess is supposed to be the context of why the flirty eyes are happening. I guess. It's real. (laughs) It's it's real flirty. So yeah, but they're set up. There's tension, right? There's tension built into the relationship. They are competitors. Yes. And they're all these brash, arrogant pilot types Mm -hmm. who all think that they're the greatest ever. So there's that at the beginning of everyone's relationship at the school. But there also is some specific tension in the Iceman and Maverick relationship because, as you mentioned, there was this other pilot that was supposed to be the one who got the slot at Top Gun and ended up washing out and and Maverick got the spot instead. And that person who was supposed to be here was a good friend of Iceman's. So there is that layer of tension as well yes and then they also just have a personality clash because maverick can't follow any rules and iceman who is an extremely good pilot who can follow rules and he's like could you please stop breaking the rules because you're going to get someone killed and maverick's like no way i'm a maverick yeah this will become clearer the more we talk about it but maverick sucks and iceman is great yeah (laughs) and everything that iceman says is correct and everything that maverick does is super lame So that's a part of the tension as well, Mm -hmm. because Maverick's whole thing is he's a quote unquote Maverick, right? So he follows his own rules and he can't be told what to do. And he does not work well as part of a team, which is, you might say, a problem for a member of the military who's supposed to be able to follow orders and work on it as a part of a team. (laughs) Yeah. So the way it works with the pilots is, you know, there's there'll be multiple planes. They like to send them out as two. So you have a wingman, right? So you don't get left alone out there when conflict happens with the enemy. You got someone to watch and your so, six. As yeah, you're supposed to st- always stay with your wingman so that nobody gets left alone out there. So what happens in the beginning of the movie that sends Maverick to Top Gun is he and the guy who is supposed to be at Top Gun are together on a mission and they get confronted with migs because it's all everything's very russia centric it's the 80s and maverick ends up leaving his wingman to do his own hot shot flying stuff and it really freaks out the other guy when he's left alone with the migs and that's what leads to like his freak out yeah. that washes him out and so when he comes in iceman is like who was out there watching what's his face's back when you were doing blah 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 and yeah maverick's like He can watch his own back. He's an adult. And it's like, that's not how this works. (laughs) So anyway, that's kind of the the core of their interpersonal conflict. We should note that at all times, they just stand too close to each other. Truly at all times. There's the the classroom scene with the flirty eyes is the first time they see each Mm -hmm. other. But the first time we really see them interact is this bar scene where all of them are first interacting and getting to know each other and coming over to feel each other out. And so Iceman and Maverick have this crazy, like, their faces are so close to each other when they're having this conversation. And you're like, I truly do not understand if they hate each other or if they're about to make out or both. Like, anything could happen. They're so close. So yeah, the over the course of the movie, we've got this running thing of will Maverick ever learn that he needs to be able to stay with his wingman to be a more effective pilot. And so they're having all these various disagreements. Maverick's breaking the rules. Iceman's yelling at him for breaking the rules and saying, like, you're dangerous. I have a problem with how you fly because you're going to get someone killed. And, you know, it's all very reasonable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
And Maverick is like, I am dangerous. And you're like, why are you so proud of that? That seems like a problem. And so then it all comes to an emotional head in Mm -hmm. the movie when, spoiler alert, if people don't know this, the movie came out more than 30 years ago, but spoiler alert, Goose, who is Maverick's flying partner, gets killed in a training exercise. Guess there's a bit of debate among watchers as to whose fault it was. It feels kind of like Maverick. Well, because he's flying recklessly, and then the two of them have to eject from the plane, and Goose's head hits the canopy. Like, the canopy doesn't open fully, and so he can't quite eject properly. He gets significant head injuries, relevant for future movies, orphaning his, well, not orphaning, the mom's still alive, but he has a wife and a son, and now he's dead. And now he's dead. And Maverick is sad about it and, you know, starts to sort of doubt himself in the way that you would anticipate he would do. And then there is a scene where no one is being particularly nice to Maverick about this. Like his commander, when he comes in to tell him, is like, Goose is dead. And Maverick's like, yeah, I know. And he's like, it was going to happen. You're going to lose flying partners. And Maverick's like, okay. (laughs) And so then there's this interesting scene where he is in the um, locker room clearing out his stuff. Yeah, he's about to quit. Yeah. And so Iceman comes in and I love the way they shot it because it's like, Maverick's looking into his locker so our camera is facing Maverick and then Iceman is behind him over his shoulder and Iceman's having this emotional journey of trying to figure out what do I say to this guy because we fucking hate each other but Mm -hmm. also I don't want to be an asshole because his best friend just died. He's so nice. I love this scene. I thought Val Kilmer was great and I was like oh look at him. He's such a good dude. It's really good. I always love Iceman. Yeah. He's the best. But he basically tells Maverick, you shouldn't quit. You really are a good pilot. You should, you know, stuff's going to happen. You're like, wow, he's really he's really trying to connect yeah. to Maverick. And he just tells him, like, I'm sorry about Goose. Yeah. You know, he's, he's trying to be nice to the guy, which is. is lovely. So, you know, plot stuff, plot stuff, plot stuff. Maverick ends up coming back in to keep flying. And there's a big final culminating battle so Iceman expresses that he doesn't want Maverick to fly yeah. because he's still concerned about him as are we all because he is a reckless flyer normally but now he's dealing with all of this emotional turmoil mm-hmm. who knows what the guy will do but luckily during the course of it Maverick at first seems like maybe he's gonna you know abandon the people like he normally would do which is not what you want but then he's like talk to me goose and, yeah. and he comes back and he saves Iceman, and the two of them win this whole thing and they've killed all the enemies and it's all very exciting and then they get back down onto the aircraft carrier and the two of them have their emotionally cathartic moment at the end where they give each other a hug and Iceman says maverick you're still dangerous but you can be my wingman anytime and maverick says bullshit you could be mine and they smile at each other yeah and you're like okay cool (laughs) cool and that's the movie and that's their relationship yep so it's it's a i won't call it traditional i think there's a lot that's different about it but when you first see it you're like oh so this is like an enemies to lovers situation right Mm -hmm. these guys are at each other's throats and then they grow to respect each other over the course of the thing i think what sets it apart is how right iceman is about everything and how wrong maverick is about everything which (laughs) is its own wrench we're following our, our, you know, our protagonist, Maverick, but as a viewer, you're like, oh my God, Maverick, you're so unreasonable. Like, I'm not, can you just <laughs> a please, real problem, Maverick. please get on Iceman's wavelength? Yeah. Oh, you know what we didn't mention 
in one of the locker room scenes, the Iceman biting. Oh yeah, the, the, the teeth chomp. That's it's a interesting choice by Val Kilmer. I don't know what it means, but I don't know what it means either. That's a thing that happens, and it's a, it's a famous moment from the film because it's weird. It's funny. <laughs> okay, so those are their beats. Mm-hmm. Let us discuss. I guess we'll get to what the people who made the movie say about it, but just let's talk about the public reception yes. of the film and how people reacted to the the homoeroticism of Top Gun. Sure. So yeah, we have a couple of quotes. The first is from Pauline Kael, who's a very famous film critic, who said about the film, the movie is a shiny homoerotic commercial. The pilots strut around the locker room, towels hanging precariously from their waists. <laughs> Truly, those towels could drop at any moment. Okay. <laughs> so... This is a thing, obviously, people were talking about at the time. That's a contemporaneous review. Mm -hmm. But over the years, it didn't ever really die down. People accepted this as a a shining example of the 80s homoerotic action film. And all of it is really summed up in in a monologue that Quentin Tarantino gives in the film Sleep With Me where he is discussing what Top Gun is really about (laughs) with someone at a party. So this isn't the entirety of it, but I think this probably sells most of what he's trying to say. So he's talking about how the, the movie is really a story about a man's struggle with his own homosexuality. So he's saying, you got Maverick, right? He's on the edge, man. He's right on the fucking line, all right? And you've got Iceman and all his crew. They're gay. They represent the gay men, all right? And they're saying, go, go, go the gay way. Go the gay way. He could go both ways. Kelly McGillis, she's heterosexuality. She's saying, no, 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 go the normal way. Play by the rules. Go the normal way. They're saying, no, go the gay way. Be the gay way. Go for the gay way, all right? This is what's going on throughout the whole movie. (laughs) And you know what? It's a, it's a fine reading, I think. Yeah. There's a little bit of funny, I don't even remember if this, it might be in the Tarantino speech too, but I've seen it elsewhere. Funny stuff about how Kelly McGillis, who is Tom Cruise's love lead, love lead, sure. <laughs> love interest <laughs> in the movie at one point, as things are sort of heating up with the two of them, she shows up at Top Gun and really masculine clothing which is this interesting moment where everyone's like is she sort of why is she dressed like this she doesn't dress like this for the rest of it but she shows up in this sort of man cosplay (laughs) where people are like is this part of it is this why she's trying to tempt him over to the (laughs) to her side by like making herself look like a man it's funny it's all funny debate we don't have many quotes from the actors, which is unfortunate. I don't think people will be surprised to hear that Tom Cruise has not said anything about yeah. this, given everything else about Tom Cruise. It's true. But we do have a quick quote from Val Kilmer as well. So this is an interview he did with Elle magazine, where they asked, Having played Iceman in Top Gun, please rank its homoerotic contact from 1 to 10, 1 being not gay at all, and 10 being Liberace in an F-16. And Val Kilmer says, 11. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He gets it. He does. And you know what? He's not the only one. No, I think when things get where things get really interesting are these remaining quotes from our, our creators. So we've got some quotes from Tony Scott, the director, Jack Epps Jr., one of the writers, and Jerry Bruckheimer, the producer. But I guess we can start with Tony Scott. Yes. So Tony Scott, this is very interesting, the story of how he got this movie because he was not a big film director. They hired him anecdotally, I guess, because of this commercial that he did for Saab that had jets in it. And they saw it and were like, oh, he can shoot plane stuff. 
<laughs> they hired him for this movie. So the studio probably didn't really know what they were going to get from mm-hmm. Tony Scott. And what they got was the most legendary volleyball scene in all of film history. And so he unfortunately died in 2012. So we don't have a lot of like super modern quotes from him. But he did at least have time to talk about his vision for the volleyball scene. And he said, I didn't have a vision of what I was doing other than just Doing soft porn is how he recalled. So again, when we say that it's shot in a way that's like, oh, okay, this is interesting. I think this is what we're we're getting at. And also, like, the studio was like, can we not have this volleyball scene? And Tony was like, no, we got to get this volleyball scene. Oh, we're doing the volleyball (laughs) scene. (laughs) Yeah. There was a story about how he was, like, driving the editors crazy because it was supposed to be very minor. I guess in the script, it was not at all what it became. And so then they... They shot all of this stuff and it became like a moment in the film that it was unexpected. And so there was some back and forth about that. Yeah. So also the part of the inspiration for the scene was uh, black and white photographs by a gay photographer named Bruce Weber. So we also have a quote from Scott saying, everyone was scared because it was infamous in terms of the gay community of this book. So, you know, again, it's homoerotic. It's based on these photographs of men yeah. by this gay photographer. Like It is by definition homoerotic. You know, it's quite intentional. Nobody should be confused by it. And I don't think that they were because let us get to the quotes from Jack Epps yes. Jr. So that's how the film was shot. How was the film written? Was it intentionally supposed to be this gay? If you talk to Jack Epps Jr., he would say not intentionally. Here's mm-hmm. a quote from him about the volleyball scene. We didn't write it as that, but I could see how you could interpret it that way. Yeah. Now, that's one of those quotes that you've seen from other people a lot where it's like, is he saying this is good or it's bad? He's upset about it. What? Let's get some more clarifying quotes from Jack Epps Jr. (laughs) So referring back to the way it looks, Jack says, Tony has a certain look that he was using stylistically. And you look at that look and it's a very gay look in terms of the haircuts and the styles and the male beefcake. I don't think it was intentional. But I don't think you can avoid it. (laughs) I'm a director and my style is male beefcake. Yeah. (laughs) And a final quote from Jack Epps Jr. is, it adds a whole different layer to it. It's part of the myth of the movie. Movies become what they become. At the end of the day, you want the audience to react to it, interact with it. If that's part of the interaction, then that's what the movie is. I love that. That's such a Neil Gaiman-esque quote. Yeah. It seems like Jack's perspective is like, you know, we didn't, but it turned out real gay and I'm fine with that. Yeah. It is what you all saw it. It's super gay. (laughs) It is what it is. (laughs) Sometimes you make something and it turns out gay. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you write a thing, you don't think it's going to be gay and then it's really gay and you just have to be like, I guess we made a really gay movie. Yeah. Cool. And- Finally, we have our producer, Jerry Bruckheimer, who also produced the new movie. He has been asked, not specifically about Iceman Maverick, whatever, Mm -hmm. but he was asked about the Quentin Tarantino monologue, because this is a thing everyone wants to know how you feel about that. So Jerry said, when you make a movie, people can interpret it any way they want and see something in it that the filmmakers had no idea they were tapping. So we're surprised every time we hear something talked about or written about the films that we make that have no real context for the filmmakers or what the filmmakers wanted to do. And yet there's a relevance to them because people believe it. Coming from Quentin, it's always a compliment. (laughs) It's just nice to have Quentin talk about your movie, you know? (laughs) That's what Quentin sees. I guess that's what we did. It feels very similar of like, did we set out to make a super gay movie? 
Now, did we guess so? Yeah, seems that way. That's what they tell us, <laughs> which I think is a refreshing <laughs> outlook from a bunch of creators. Instead of being like, we didn't do that. It's not gay. What are you talking about? It's like, if if everyone tells you it's gay, it's probably pretty I gay. I guess we did. <laughs> <laughs> Would you look at that? <laughs> Fabulous. Okay, so that all brings us to Top Gun Maverick, the sequel. Coming out how many ever years later? 35 years later-ish. Lots of years later. Some amount of years later. (laughs) So the ship in this one is is new. Mm -hmm. Although Iceman and Maverick are both still in this film. Yes. But we have a whole new crop of young Navy pilots in this movie. And a couple of them, Rooster, played by Miles Teller, Mm -hmm. and Hangman, played by Glenn Powell are the two that people have, you know, latched hit upon as the two to ship from this film. And they have a somewhat similar dynamic, the yeah. Iceman and Maverick. Interestingly, their personalities are sort of swapped. So Rooster, who you would think of as being more of our main guy, protagonist type, even though we'll get to that later. He's the more careful Iceman type character. And then Hangman, who's kind of the antagonist, is more of a Maverick. More of a hot dog. More of a hot dog. Exactly. So let us discuss the beats of their relationship. Why are people shipping them in the film? Yeah. So when we first meet all of the younger people, it's in a a bar and everyone's hanging out and Rooster comes in and Hangman says to him, Rooster, as I live and breathe. And Rooster says, Hangman, you look good. And Hangman says, well, I am good, Rooster. I'm very good. In fact, I'm too good to be true. (laughs) And while this back and forth is happening, I should mention that Hangman steals a pool cue out of someone else's hands and shoots a shot while they're having this back and forth so as to impress Rooster. Of course. Making eye contact. Strong, strong eye contact from these two. (laughs) So also in this scene, they know they've been called in for a special mission, though they don't know what it is yet. And they're wondering who's going to be the one who's the lead pilot. And Hangman says, I'm just wondering which one of y'all has what it takes to follow me. Again, maintaining strong eye contact with Rooster. And Rooster says, Hangman, the only place you'll lead anyone is an early grave. So they're bantering. They're bantering. Things are getting vaguely threatening and very flirty, as Mm -hmm. they are with Iceman and Maverick. So they are, again, standing just just so close to each other. (laughs) We don't stand this close to people in America. No, it's not American at all. And so there's really intense eye contact and there is 100%, at least from Rooster's side, I'm not surprised if it happens with Hangman too, but I only caught Rooster looking down at Hangman's lips during the course of their mm-hmm, mm-hmm. face off, as it were. Yes. So that's a strong start for them. A lot of tension. Is it sexual? Is it aggressive? Is it all of the above? Who knows? Yes. <laughs> so we also have this interesting thing going on as a function of what i think we will be discussing the fact that the movie is really only about maverick and not about any of these young people Mm -hmm. but what we have no female love interests for hangman or rooster or any of the young people in the movie which is interesting because in a movie where you have these two male characters with a lot of tension i feel like it's a typical thing to do to put a lady right. in their direction and they could have because did. there is one female pilot in the group so there could have been yeah. like a love triangle something could have happened but there's no 
romantic anything between any of the young characters which yeah we talked about i do think is more a function of the movie just being so focused on maverick they're like we don't have time for you know actual arcs or time with these kids because we gotta hang out with maverick he's the coolest only want to hang out with maverick so over the course of it they're having their tension there's all sorts of you know plot 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 stuff going on they're competing to be the lead pilot they have this like eisman and maverick they have a difference of opinion about the correct sort of flying style a person should have. One of them is more cautious, one of them very reckless. And Hangman is kind of obsessed with what's going on with Rooster and Maverick. Because yeah. there's this weird tension between them, which we should say is because Rooster is the son of Maverick's old flying partner, Goose. Yes. So they have a long and emotional personal history together. Maverick was sort of an uncle to rooster and then at the beginning of rooster's navy career he wanted to be a pilot and he applied to go to whatever the navy pilot school is and maverick pulled his application papers so that he couldn't go to the school and it set back his career four years or something and so there's clearly something up between the two of them that hangman would love to figure out yeah he's like what's <laughs> Over going the course on with rooster it. i gotta know yeah so he eventually deduces that Goose had flown with Maverick and that mm -hmm. Maverick got Goose killed and he he brings it up in one of their briefings and they have a tussle. And, it, and they nearly come to blows. Tension is building. Tension is building. And so we need some sort of release mm -hmm. from the tension. And what will that release be? Sweaty beach sports. Sweaty beach sports scene. They were like, let's not do volleyball. We got to have a beach scene, but we don't want to specifically recreate the volleyball scene. So they switch it up. And this time it's football. Yes. So this time, to return to the most important part of this conversation, the jeans. <laughs> they are not just in sand on a beach. They are in the surf on a beach, right? They're wet. The ocean is lapping them while they are playing this game of football. And not just Tom Cruise this time, but like about half of these people yeah. are wearing jeans long sopping wet jeans <laughs> you know <laughs> I don't it, understand it does also suck because it's a real missed opportunity to put these boys in cutoffs right that could they could have gone even more 80s than the 80s movie give us some cutoffs yeah. i don't understand what's happening i i assume this has something to do with like tom cruise has some sort of weird self-consciousness about his calves or something and like won't wear shorts <laughs> that's the Wait, root of the whole thing people are wearing sweatpants he could be wearing sweatpants and i understand sweatpants probably isn't like significantly better but it's still a lighter fabric it's, it's better i mean wet sandy denim is one of the worst <laughs> feelings i can imagine <laughs> It's but weird. like, why aren't they wearing shorts? Why are they wearing jeans? It's disturbing. And while I am appreciating the lovely, shirtless, beautiful people in the scene, half of my brain is just thinking that looks so uncomfortable. I don't understand why you're wearing jeans. It makes it very hard to focus. Yeah. And again, missed opportunity for cutoffs. Mm-hmm. Okay. So sweaty football. We're here. It's great. Love it. Yep. Minus the jeans. <laughs> Exactly. So then, you know, things are proceeding, blah, blah, blah. Rooster ends up being the one who's picked for this mission that they're going to go on. And even though Hangman really wanted to be picked for the mission and he has not been picked on the aircraft carrier before Rooster goes to fly off, Hangman stops him and says, give him hell. 
And you're like, this is nice. Are we bonding? Yeah. This is oh, a bonding nice moment. moment. Good. A bunch of stuff happens on the mission. Maverick and Rooster go down. They then steal a plane from the enemy. They're back up in the air, but oh no, they're being attacked. And then the cavalry comes, which includes Hangman. And the we- cavalry is only Hangman, actually. Yeah. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I, in the scene when I was watching it for the first time, I was like, okay, everyone's about to show up and save them. And Everyone does not show up. Literally only Hangman shows Okay. Up I missed that. I have to them. be honest, guys. I was pretty checked out during all the flying scenes. I find it pretty boring. So <laughs> full attention. But uh, when Hangman shows up, they have a, a rehash of their initial sort of interaction where he's like, Hangman, you look good. And Hangman says, I am good, Rooster. I'm very good. Because mm-hmm. they like a callback. Sure. A flirty little callback. So now Hangman has redeemed himself and he's saved their lives and they're all happy and good friends now. And so then they get back onto the aircraft carrier. And, and they, they succeeded have, at the mission. So everyone's like, they've we succeeded did it. at the mission. It's amazing. Everyone's celebrating. It's the exact same ending from the first movie because basically this movie has had all of the same beats of the first movie. Yeah. <laughs> and so they have to have their scene on the aircraft carrier where they say, you can be my wingman anytime sort of scene. And so they have a meaningful final handshake. And Rooster is saying to Hangman, like, you got your second kill. Good for you. Because everybody loves to count their kills in the military. And then for some reason, because this gosh darn movie is called Top Gun Maverick, Mm -hmm. (laughs) someone butts in on their conversation and starts talking about Maverick and how many kills he has and how cool he is. And you're just like, you're ruining the moment. Honestly. If I'm being honest. But that's their arc yeah we should take a second to talk about Iceman and Maverick in this film so as you mentioned there's not as much interaction primarily because Val Kilmer who has had cancer and and can't really talk that well anymore he's not in that much of the movie but they do include him which is great Mm -hmm. so what has happened in the intervening several decades we are to believe is that Iceman because he is both a wonderful pilot and a rational human being, has climbed the ranks in the military. And he now is like a, you know, million star admiral or whatever the heck. He's super important in the military. And Maverick has continued to be his typical Maverick self and somehow has never been court-martialed or kicked out of the military because Iceman now just like really loves him for some reason. And anytime he gets in trouble, Iceman gets him out of trouble. So a situation that is honestly better explained by them being in love. <laughs> it's the only thing that makes sense, if I'm being honest. So over the course of the movie, Maverick has been called in to train for this special mission because of Iceman. Nobody wanted him. Mm-hmm. But Iceman is like, this is the only guy that can do it. You got to bring him in. So the two of them are like texting over the course of the movie, which is sweet. And then there is a point when... <laughs> Something has gone wrong and it's like nighttime and Maverick is sitting there with his phone in the night and Iceman has texted him, I need to see you. <laughs> and you're oh like, oh, oh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what about? But then they do see each other and they have a very nice scene. The one scene yeah. that Val Kilmer is in in this movie. He can't talk. So they worked around it because he, he just types out what he wants to say mm-hmm. to Maverick and they have this conversation about you know, what Maverick's going through emotionally and he gets very teary and uh, Iceman gives him good advice. There's a heart to heart. They hug. And then at the end, Iceman can't help but be like, which of us is the better pilot? (laughs) Because they never got over that little teasy thing. And it's quite sweet. It's nice. It's a nice scene. They're nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I do kind of want to say 
a couple of unrelated thoughts just about this movie and sure. why I think that the ship could have been more interesting if they had structured the movie in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> so the yes, as I said, it is called Top Gun Maverick. And in reading quotes from the way that they convinced Tom Cruise to be in this movie, it was by basically telling him like, don't you worry the movie's only about you. And oh boy, were they correct. The movie was Mm -hmm. only about him. So the like Uber message of the movie is there are all of these young, amazing pilots and none of them are nearly as good as old man, Tom Cruise. Nope. (laughs) He's, He's the only great pilot for this mission and everybody else just totally sucks. So Maverick is the best. That is the message of the movie. He never follows rules, but he always succeeds. Correct. And so then you have like kind of an arc going on with him and Rooster, but it's totally undercut by everything being just about how good Maverick is because Mm -hmm. Rooster can't really have the arc that you want him to have. And his whole thing is like, he's too cautious, I guess, which is a thing you can apparently be because he doesn't trust his instincts, which actually they could have made into an interesting story because it would make sense if he didn't trust his instincts because of Maverick pulling his papers and not wanting him to join the military, right? Which that all could have fed together, but they never really tie those things together. And it also would have made more sense, as you and I have already discussed, if Maverick had pulled his papers because he was really worried about him and didn't want him to die like Goose had died, right? And then they never go in that direction either. They All the way through, Maverick is adamantly like, I pulled his papers because I didn't think he was ready. And so you're like, the whole thing then is that this guy who's kind of a surrogate son or whatever of yours you're just like he just sucks at flying it's a real shame that he sucks at flying and i'm amazing <laughs> it's like this is the emotional arc of what's going on with you two i don't understand that at all but the fact that it's almost exclusively about maverick is the real detriment of it to me because when i thought about what the point of making this movie was in my mind i was like they must want to set up a franchise sure. a new top gun franchise and the way to set up a new top gun franchise I would think, would be to make it about a bunch of hot, cool, new young people who would be the stars of the movie going forward. Yeah. And where it falls apart is they cast a bunch of hot, cool, fun, new people, like Mm -hmm. a lot of really good actors that I like and who have good energy and there's a lot of chemistry and like the opening scene when you meet all of them is fun. And you could see how all of these people together would be really fun and interesting. But there's like no story for them. <laughs> you, yeah. you can sort of pretend that there is a rooster hangman arc, but it's very minimal. Everything that we told you about their interactions are all of their interactions. Yes. There's no more of them in this movie than these few beats we've told you. In this, you know, two hour long, two hour plus long movie, it's like three minutes of rooster and hangman together. Yeah. And it's tough. <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's tough. Like they're cute. I like their chemistry, but there's there's just no story for the kids. Yeah. So I get why people are interested. They're fun young actors. I get what it could have been, but it just very much is not <laughs> that. It is a movie about like young people think they're such hot shit, but really it's the old guys that are going to win. Well, it's not even <laughs> really the old Tom guys. Cruise. It's just Maverick is the best. That is yeah. that is the take home. The take home is the moral of this whole story. Maverick is the best. Don't doubt Maverick. Yep, which was a little narratively unsatisfying just for me. Sure. I mean, 
the issue I had is it's one thing if like, well, you know, you love Maverick, so you're on board. But I, I didn't like Maverick. I didn't like him in the no. first one. I don't really like him in the second one. He's not a super sympathetic character. He's, he's the worst. He's the and the worst. fact that he hasn't grown or changed at all in the last 35 years is concerning. Yeah. That's the thing, too. Like, he's the exact same person at the start of the second movie as he was at the end of the last movie if not reset to himself at the start of the first movie. You're like, how is this person not grown or changed in 30 years? Yeah, I don't know. And that is what makes me even more like, I don't understand why Iceman is so protective of him when he sucks. How many times can you bail this guy out? I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. Because now, of that, we have yes. less from all of the people involved in creating the movie around Significantly less. Yes. Because when you look into people's interviews about Top Gun Maverick, you will be unsurprised to hear that they are mostly about Tom Cruise. Mm -hmm. Everybody just talking about what it was like to work with Tom Cruise. The main story of the whole thing is that they all really flew the planes. They were all in the planes when they shot. So like everyone wants to talk about that, the practical effects and how was it to fly in the planes. It's mostly about Maverick. So they talk about Maverick's storyline. They talk about like, how'd you get in shape for the movie? Like that sort of conversation. Yeah. They ask Miles Teller about his mustache, mm -hmm. which had a real moment over the summer. There's conversation about... Miles Teller's little shimmy dance from the beach football scene. Yeah, that became a... Which also a had kind of like a, a moment on the internet. But there's very little conversation about what's going on with these characters in relation to each other because really they just don't take up much screen time. So we didn't find anything from Miles Teller about Rooster yeah. and Hangman. And we don't have anything from the director or writers of this film. Yeah, we have one cute little tweet from Glenn Powell, who's like pulling his weight, trying yeah. to make something happen with this conversation. I think what we did learn in our takeaway is in real life, Miles Teller and Glenn Powell are kind of flirty with each other. So they're, you know, carrying that on and they have good chemistry as like real human beings also. Yes. And I feel like these days it's very normal to see male castmates of things lean into just sort of like flirting with each other for fun as part of their PR. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's like a thing that people do now. So we have a tweet from Glenn Powell of a picture. I guess Miles Teller tweeted a picture of the two of them together with little emojis of a cowboy and a rooster. And then Glenn Powell's response to it was, remember when we bunked together on the carrier? Me on the top bunk, you on the bottom. Every night you'd say, good night, hangy. And I'd say, night, Rue. <laughs> I miss that. <laughs> so cute. It's lovely. But that's truly about it. Yeah. I'm sure there are other small moments of interaction between the actors, but we didn't track down any specifics. Yeah. And we tried. We did try. If there's more to know, do send it to us. Yeah. But, um, we'll do an update. That's what we got on them so far. So it is interesting how the conversation about the first movie is much more sort of robust yes. than this conversation about this movie. Much more controlled. But, right, it does all feed in because I think your your brain is in, like, Top Gun gay and then you're watching this movie. And you're like, mm -hmm. Top Gun gay. <laughs> Top Gun gay. And as I said to you, we wouldn't be making this episode if the second movie didn't exist, sure. right? The reason people are talking about these ships is because of the resurgence in fan interest because of the new movie. Yes. So that leads into what's going on on AO3. Mm -hmm. Clearly somebody's talking about it since we were asked 
to talk about it. So it's in conversation on the internet. So what's going on on AO3 with the ships? So the original ship, Iceman Maverick, has about 1,200 fix on AO3. And Hangster, Hangman Rooster, is catching right up, right? So as of September 27th, 2022, we were informed that's when they hit 1,000 fix on AO3. And Mm -hmm. when we're recording this in early October, they're at about 1,100 stories. So they're growing. I think there's hope among the fandom that they could get onto the AO3 top 100 of 2023 list. And they probably could. I think the last entry this year was like 17... Hundred-ish fix. So All right, keep it going, guys. We've just seen a few hundred more fix, and they're most of the way there. It's yeah. happening. So this is where Rachel, who suggested this to us, became very helpful. And we do actually appreciate this. The two of us usually will read the most kudos to fic in a ship, but mm-hmm. it's nice to hear from people who are in the fandom about what's the real discussion. What are people? Yeah. What are people liking? Because sometimes the most kudos to fic isn't necessarily the thing that people actually really like so in this case the most kudos fic for the ship is a fic called people like us by sky uni one two three but rachel recommended that we also take a look at a fic called men like us by dancing disaster which she described as being the thing people were were talking about in the fandom at the time so i read people like us you read both of them i think Mm -hmm. men like us is a much longer fic which also might be why it's not as kudos, right? Like you you have to sit down and read it. Whereas People Like Us sure. is pretty short and sweet. So I can talk about People Like Us and then you want to talk about Men Like Us. So yeah, sure. People Like Us is a pretty short fic. It's explicit as we always like to, to note and track. And basically, you know, the two guys have tension. They are tussling after, you know, an argument one time and then they start making out and they're like, okay, what's happening? And then Maverick walks in on them and they're like, this Glad is awkward. <laughs> Oops. And but he doesn't say anything and he leaves and they're like, all right, well, let's get out of here. That was weird. And, you know, Rooster continues to think about it. And then Hangman propositions him again when they're at like a barbecue. And then Maverick walks in on them again. And Rooster is, Maverick is just Rooster everywhere. And he's like, this is awkward. Oops. And Maverick again is like, it, it doesn't say anything. And they keep having encounters. I love this line in the fic where Rooster's like, what are we doing? And Hangman's like, it's just guys being guys. Yeah, that's fantastic. (laughs) Don't worry about it. You know how guys are. Yeah. And so they go on a a mission. They come back. They were successful. They start making out and and getting intimate in the locker room. And Maverick walks in again. And he's like, I got to talk to Rooster. Yeah, it's like, fucking break it up, boys. I need to have a conversation with Rooster. So, you know, Rooster is real nervous. He's like, oh, no, what's Maverick going to say? And basically Maverick's just like, you just can't get caught doing this. Yeah, I don't care. Maybe stop constantly making out where anyone could walk (laughs) in on you. You do it in private. I don't know. I don't care, but other people might care. There are fraternization rules, you know, like – it's not a big deal. Just stop doing it in public. <laughs> <laughs> and then Rooster also comes to a realization based on the way that Maverick looks that he might have had some gay experience as well and puts together that like, oh, him and Iceman. And that's well, what I thought was interesting is he asks him if there was any truth to the rumors yeah. about him and his dad. Yeah, I, I thought that was like, weird. I was like, I would never. Ask. I don't want to know. I would not have asked that. <laughs> I don't want to know. If it's true, I don't want to know. <laughs> 
but yeah, Maverick says like, no, not between, no, not those rumors. Not those rumors. <laughs> You'll have to figure out which other rumors there were. Yeah. And then he puts it together that it's it's him and Iceman, and so you're like, okay. Yeah. So that's that fic. It was cute. <laughs> it was cute. Okay, I'm excited to talk about Men Like Us by Dancing mm-hmm. Disaster because this fic has pulled off an incredibly impressive feat. I think it has taken. This very minimal story between Hangman and Rooster and crafted an epic tale. Mm -hmm. So it starts well before the movie. The two of them in the story meet, like they've both separately joined the military for their various reasons. The two of them come together in some sort of training setting and... Hangman is really interested in Rooster, but in his traditional way, like Rooster can't tell that Hangman is flirting because Hangman is just peacocking around him Mm. all the time and Rooster thinks that he's just being a dick. And so he finally, after some time, figures this out and the two of them actually get together. This is like five years before the movie starts. Okay. So they have this epic romance. They're together for a long time. And and part of the setup of it is we're mostly in Hangman's perspective. So the backstory for hangman is his mother died when he was young his father was really fucked up about it and became an alcoholic not like abusive but just sort of gave up on life Mm. for the last 10 years of his life and then he ended up dying when hangman was like 17 or 18 like about to go into the world on his own and so he sells it as saracen men his name is jake saracen which is a thing that was not clear to me at all from watching the movie yeah okay (laughs) so he sells it as saracen men all have one great love of their life and that's it for them and if they lose that person then they go in the ground basically like it's over so his great love is rooster and so they have this romance which is lovely and then the two of them each have their specific trauma because he's got that going on Mm -hmm. in his backstory rooster has his thing going on with iceman and maverick in this alternate universe version iceman and maverick have been together this whole time they're subtle about it But they've been together. So as a unit, they were sort of parental figures to Rooster when he was young and particularly after his mother died. And so the same thing happened where Rooster pulled his papers. He got really mad about it. He didn't know why. They didn't really tell him the truth about it. But it sort of came out that Maverick said that he didn't think he was ready. Even though in Mm. this version of the story, it's exactly what I want it to be, where really he was just worried about him. But he told him he didn't think he was ready. And so he felt that like judgment on his own skills and so that's his own trauma so the two of them are in this relationship together they've kind of tangentially talked about their backstories but nothing specific so hangman doesn't know who these godparents are of roosters Mm. and you know rooster doesn't know the specifics of hangman's childhood so the two of them eventually end up getting into this fight as people in relationships do sure and hangman accidentally says some stuff to Rooster that triggers him with his maverick shit. Mm-hmm. And and Rooster walks out on him. And Hangman, because he has this whole fear of abandonment and, you know, I could never survive losing you again thing, ends up once Rooster three days later realizes he fucked up and shouldn't have left, Hangman is already gone. And he's like, I can't be with you because if you we get back together and then you leave me again, like, I'll just That's die. That's the end. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so for years now... Because we have to get from men to where the movie is. They've each gone on their separate assignments and they've moved all around. But clearly they've both still been in love with each other the whole time. And Hangman has been carrying around an engagement ring that he wanted to use to ask Rooster to marry him. And interestingly, Iceman and Maverick have both sort of been following Hangman's career because they know that the two of them were together. Mm. And Hangman doesn't know that they're related to Rooster. So he just 
for some reason, this admiral just keeps asking him questions and bonding with him about stuff. And he's like, this is kind of weird, but I don't really know why (laughs) this is happening. So then when we get back around to the point where they have to see each other again at the beginning of the movie, it sort of explains a bit of the tension in between them. And so unlike in the movie where Iceman dies, in this one, Iceman nearly dies. He has some sort of incident where he has to get emergency surgery and Rooster ends up relying on Hangman for support during this process and Iceman ends up living and there's still the whole mission thing and the two of them sort of trying to figure out how to be together again and realizing they've been in love with each other the whole time and how it's important to take the risk because Iceman has given Hangman advice about how you have to not be afraid to live because blah, 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 all this. And so it's quite sweet. I thought it was great. I was very impressed because there's a ton of added backstory for them that is nowhere in the film. Well, there's no space for it. <laughs> there's no focus space on for it in the film. So I was incredibly impressed. I understand why people are interested in this Men Like Us Vic. Excellent. It gives you all sorts of stuff to be interested in that is uh, not part of the canon. Because there's just not a lot going on in the canon, if we're being honest. Not for any character who's not Maverick. Yeah. No. I wish Maverick was less shitty and more interesting, but uh, we can't always get what we want. Nope. I will say, I also read a tiny little fic that was just about Iceman and Maverick. Okay. Just to see it, what the top fic for them was. And it was a sweet little like thousand word fic that was based on, you know, the videos of people who have gotten surgery or something and then they are still under and then their spouse is there and they're like, who's this beautiful person that's interacting with me? And they're like hitting on their, you haven't seen this? No. <laughs> this is a thing on the internet. Like somebody okay. will get their wisdom teeth out or whatever. This is called When I See Your Face by Boa. Sam, I can't parse this. Boa Sammy Shipper. Okay. That's what I'm going to guess the title, the name of the writer is. Be Boa Sam My Shipper. Yeah, Boa (laughs) Sam I Shipper. Bo a Samish Ipper. I don't know. Sorry. We'll post it, I guess. Yeah, we'll post it. But that was cute too. So that's the fic. Exciting times in the AO3 space. Is there anything else that we looked at that would be interesting to talk about? Yeah. So Rachel, who gave us this idea, let us know about a new venue for fans to interact. I knew it is, but it was new to us. (laughs) A newer venue (laughs) for fans to interact. And that's Discord. And I joke to you that we are too young for Usenet, too old for Discord. Because I find Discord to be really overwhelming. <laughs> There's just so much going on there, guys. I don't I don't really know how to navigate it. I definitely dived in and looked around and found some interesting stuff over there. But it's, it's an overwhelming amount of conversation going on. Yeah. But it's interesting, right? So it allows for live interaction. It allows for people to share. It allows for the fandom community to be in constant communication. And I think, you know, one thing that we've talked about on this podcast before which you brought up is that movie fandoms are harder to sustain because there's just not as much content. And will they end up making a sequel to this movie? Maybe it made so much money. Yeah. We came across quotes from people being like, we've definitely been talking about Top Gun 3. Yeah. So we'll see if that ever happens. But it'll be interesting to see if something like Discord helps keep a fandom alive that might otherwise, 
you know, fizzle out with a lack of yeah. primary content. This Discord was it definitely very active. There's a ton Hopping. of conversation happening over there. So if you can at least have a space to be in like daily conversation about it, that will hopefully help move the fandom along. Yeah. Even though you're not getting new content all the time. So an interesting question in my mind. I guess we should be trying to find out if there are discords for other things that we're talking I mean, about as we go through. Are. I'm sure there are. We're just so old. We're so old, you guys. <laughs> it's too much. It's just too much for my brain. I don't know if it's been the pandemic or what, but the internet is feels like a lot to my ever-aging brain. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Everyone should probably step back from the internet a bit for our own yeah. sanity. So that was cool, though. Thank you again, Rachel, for inviting us over there and yeah, letting, letting us, us see. peek around in your fandom space. Mm-hmm. It seems really so, nice. It does. Everyone was very lovely. <laughs> yeah, especially the moderator. Who we- <laughs> oh, my God. When we got in... We were like, I literally don't know how to make this work. Like, I can't even see any categories. I, I see nothing. And we had to ask the moderator, how how do we make it work? They were like, did you read the instructions? And we were like, no. No. <laughs> we didn't even find the instructions. <laughs> so everyone was real nice. Yeah. Thank you again, everyone over there. Here we would normally ask, how do the fans and creators interact? But do they? Yeah, again, I think like we've said with movies, there's really not as much interaction, right? Because by the time you see the thing, the thing is done. Yeah, take it or leave it. It is what it is. I mean, I guess with the first one, the fans have led the creators to know what they made was real gay. And they were like, okay. Fans were like, it's gay. And they were like, you know what? On second thought, you're right. (laughs) Success. But it didn't necessarily lead the creators of the second movie to make it more explicitly gay, which well, would have been cool. I would say they all talked about knowing that there would be expectations for the beach scene. That's because true. the thing, like everyone's main thought <laughs> coming out of the first one was, how about that volleyball scene? So we did find quotes from Joseph Kaczynski, the director, talking about how when they set out to make it, they knew there were going to be expectations. Everyone he talked to when he said he was making this movie asked, is there going to be a beach volleyball scene? Is there going to be a beach volleyball scene? So they definitely knew that there would be eyes on that. Mm -hmm. And we also saw quotes talking about how seriously Tom Cruise took making sure that the beach scene was correct. And like they shot it and then he went into the edit bay and was like, this will not do. (laughs) And he made them reshoot a bunch of it because it just wasn't enough. So at least... They knew the fandom expectation on that scene was, you know, important to honor. Yes. So there's that interaction. So should we ask the question? I think it's time. Is it queer baiting, queer coding, or queer canon? I think it, the first one is apparently unintentional queer coding. Yeah. <laughs> intentional to unintentional. In, yeah. I don't, it falls somewhere in between. I mean, the fact that the director was intentionally using as his model for the look of it stuff that he knew was gay art that feels like yeah fairly intentional queer coding mm-hmm. right and nobody really denied it once <laughs> once it was brought to their <laughs> were, attention once it was brought to their attention later so i would say yes 
queer coding, baby. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not the, the original is not anything like queer baiting in what we would think. Again, of it I think today. it's before the time when creators yeah. knew they could attract an audience by doing certain things. So, so it just happened accidentally. Mm-hmm. But oh boy, did it happen because you'll find tons of people's think pieces about how they were a little thirteen-year-old gay boy in the eighties, and this movie came and was their lifeline. <laughs> having something that they could watch without their parents being suspicious. Yeah, they were probably like, wow, they're just so patriotic. Yeah, he just loves the Navy. I mean, I guess the Navy is also sort of queer The the Navy is queer-coded itself. So... And then this new one, I mean, again, there's just not enough of anyone who's not Tom Cruise. And- yeah, I, I, it's definitely not like they led the PR campaign for this movie with lean into Rooster and Hangman. You're going to love these guys. Yeah. Like that was not a part of it. Yes. But I do actually love that because they really were not paying any attention to their stories at all. They didn't give them love interests. So now there's all of this space in the canon for like anything could be happening with these guys. Anything. They didn't say it wasn't happening. Nope. They didn't tell us anything. They've left open space to play with. So Top Gun 3, they could be canonically together. Heck yes. That's what the fans need to get involved in, Mm -hmm. in making happen. All right. Well, I guess we ask why isn't it canon? For the first one, I would say because it was the 80s. And it was yeah. a movie about the military and being gay was still literally illegal in the military. <laughs> yeah, they really couldn't have, like, that would have been a whole different movie that was about to get, like, it, it just, it would have been a different film in the 80s. Yeah. It would have been a message piece. It would have been. And the reason it isn't canon in the new one is because it ain't even about them. It's no. only about Maverick. It's all about Maverick. Why isn't he canonically with Iceman, though? There's a question. <laughs> Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. We can't rank the queer baiting because we don't think there is any queer baiting. Yeah. Which is a shame because I love to rank the queer baiting I on know. a scale from one to five. I know. I know. Anything else to say about Top Gun? No. I mean, I'm glad. I guess I'm glad I've seen both of them because they're like, you know, cultural milestones, but it's like a lot of yeah. just planes flying around. It is a lot of planes flying around. I mean, the planes flying around in the new one look cool as shit. I know that does nothing for you. But for anybody who's interested in, like, action-y flying things, it looks amazing. But the story is okay, I guess. Nothing great. No. (laughs) I said to you that the second one is the last 20 minutes of the first Star Wars movie stretched out to a feature like Oh, yeah. I mean, people have noticed this and talked about it for sure. I know I talked about it with my office when it came out, but... The, the, what they're trying to do is just the thing from Star Wars they're where they have the to Death shoot Star. through. Yeah, they're blowing up the Death Star, basically. And our guy's scope doesn't work at the end, so he has to use the force. Okay, multiple times in the new movie, the scope on the plane does not work. And I'm like, are they trying to say that the Navy planes are pieces of shit? Like, why are they constantly well, breaking? Again, also, why does someone else have fifth generation fighters and we don't? Who's making these? Who has well, I more mean, advanced fighters Nothing about the geopolitical statement of this film makes any sense at all. I mean, I know they intentionally didn't want you to be able to recognize who sure. the, the enemy was because they didn't want it to be like a piss off so-and-so piece Mm -hmm. but it just ends up making it feel nonsensical like i don't understand why we are where we are they wanted it to be an icy place to contrast with san diego i guess where 
the flight school is, but who could we possibly be fighting? <laughs> it clearly looks like it's kind of Russia, but we would never get into a conflict of this style with Russia. It doesn't make any sense. And so then you're like, yeah. I'm just, just floundering trying to figure out what was going on. We should stop Pretty talking about thing. the movies. We could complain about the actual film. We don't need to do that. Fabric at length, and that's we not really the point. We don't need to do that. Of this podcast. So yeah, should we talk about what we're talking about next time? We should. I'm quite excited about next yeah. time. We're entering a whole era of Let the Boys Kiss for our next couple of episodes. But the one we are doing next time is Our Flag Means Death. Mm-hmm. As we enter... A pirate swing. <laughs> yes. We've been in the air. We're going to the sea. Yeah. Yes. From the air to the seas, baby. So our flag means death. People will probably have heard of. That's another one that came out not too long ago. An HBO Max series from Taika Waititi and Reese Darby are the stars. And it's gay pirates, baby. It's always gay pirates. Well, pirates are always gay. Yeah. <laughs> but we will be talking about it. This is sort of revitalized people's love for gay pirates on the internet at least so i'm hoping there will be lots more gay pirate content going forward one can dream one can dream in the meantime we will catch you when that episode comes out in a couple of months but between now and then if you have comments questions concerns you can email us at ltbkpod at gmail.com or find us on twitter and tumblr at ltbkpod tell a friend leave us a review and subscribe our next episode will be out in january 2023